So my first question is to get a sense of like, what this monument is. So kind of where is it and what does it look like? It's a stone monument. I assume it's marble. It's uh, with its base. It's maybe three. It's probably about four feet high. It's a it's a uh, large block of marble at the just inside the gates, just inside this, a, a low stone fence, stone wall at what's called Confederate Rest at Forest Hill Cemetery, the municipal uh, city cemetery on the west side of Madison. There are 141 or so stone grave markers which don't necessarily relate to where individual bodies are buried. There's, there's some confusion as to whether or not it's all one big mass grave or there are individual graves, grave sites. But it's, it's an area shortly after you come into Forest Hill Cemetery, um, just on the other side of a mausoleum from a Union or a, a United States Army uh, cemetery. Uh, it's the remains of a 141 or two soldiers, Confederate soldiers who were captured in a battle in 1862 at a place called Island Number 10 in the mid-Mississippi. Uh, they were brought to Madison, and they were in bad shape when they got here. Uh, they were injured. Uh, they were ill. Uh, there's some malnourishment. It was a harsh late winter, early spring, and a lot of them died in very short order. Um, the townspeople were generally uh, favorable towards them. They they tried to take care of them, but they they were in very bad shape. A lot of them died. They were buried. And in uh, there was a woman named um, Mary uh, uh, Waterman who took care of the graves and tended them and referred to the soldiers as her boys. She died in 1897, and in 1906. Uh, at the behest, and this is an, this is an interesting aspect to it. At the behest of an organization known as the Grand Army of the Republic, which was Union veterans, they went looking for Confederate uh, organizations to pay for a monument to uh, mark the graves of the soldiers, because there's no adequate grave markers for the Confederate soldiers. So, you know, you think of, and these were actually the the men who bore the battle um, of the Civil War who were seeking to respect the graves of men they had fought against and um, in the battle to save the Union. In, eight, in 19... There, there, there was... There, there have been various attempts to raise money for a monument. Finally, in 1906, enough money was raised from the group known as United Daughters of the Confederacy which is a controversial aspect to this whole story. Um, the monument was erected in 1906. And again, members of the Grand Army of the Republic from the Lucius Fairchild uh, Post participated in the cemetery. It was seen as one of the you know, um, ways to, to uh, reunify the country um, in the early part of the 20th century. Um, in 19... 1909, uh, some new grave markers were put for the individual graves of the soldiers, um, and that's where the story stayed until uh, 
1880. Now, the marker itself, this large marble marker, has the names of the soldiers hand-chiseled into the marble, which is a, which is a hallmark of uh, gravestones or a hallmark of, of the hallmark of cemeteries in the Victorian age, and that's the era in which this marker was made. In 1980, um, another small plaque was put in at the direction of, of an individual who had no authority. Um, there was no paperwork. There was no official approval process. And yet the city undertook this elaborate cemetery, uh, ceremony where um, member, the mayor's office participated, religious, offer, uh, religious orders participated. The cemetery was consecrated for this uh, ceremony. And this is the plaque that referred to the unsung heroes and, and, and the noble cause. And this was something that was really objectionable because it referred to the Confederacy as a noble cause. That was taken out by Mayor Soglin in the immediate aftermath of Charlottesville. And no one has ever advocated restoring that. The marker that has been the source of the controversy over the last year or so doesn't have any commentary on it other than the names of the soldiers, the names of, of the men who were buried there, uh, Mrs. Waterman's name, and uh, it, it says, in, uh, erected in, in loving memory to Mary, Al Mary Whiting Waterman and her boys um, by the United Daughters of the Confederacy. It doesn't say anything about noble cause or valiant heroes. It just has the names of, of the organization and the people involved. That's what we're talking about. It's, it's a large stone marker uh, Sometimes it's referred to as a cenotaph. I think that's technically inaccurate, but it's a large stone marker in the uh, just when you come into the Confederate rest area, um, and that's that's what this whole uh, debate has been about. So, are these the only two pieces of Confederate history or memorabilia that exist in Madison? Publicly, I mean, there's certainly I'm, I'm sure there are people in Madison who have. Um, some degree of Confederate memorabilia uh, privately, but th these are the only two public items that we're aware of, yes. Yeah. And so you have a very unique position on the Landmark Commission who voted to uh, keep this monument in the cemetery. Why did you feel that there's a need to keep it there? Well, now you're speaking... When, when you say you, that's institutionally. You're referring to me as, you know, in, in terms of the Landmarks Commission. Right. Thank La you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Landmarks Commission has a specific ordinance that we are supposed to follow, that we are to follow. Uh, we went through a, a very uh, protracted, very deliberative process about three years ago to rewrite the ordinance. And we have very specific charges. And our charge has to do with historic preservation, landmarks, landmark sites. Forest Hill Cemetery is a city and a national landmark. We're only responsible for enforcing the, the municipal ordinance. But the terms of the ordinance and the incorporation of the Secretary of the Interior's standards on, on rehabilitation led us to the, led the commission to, and the commission staff to the very clear, clear conclusion that from a historic preservation perspective, the council was wrong in, in ordering us to in ordering its removal because 
it is part of the historic fabric. It, it's been there. It, that marker has been there since 1906. It was there when the landmark designation was given in 1975. It is part of the historic fabric. It represents the historic development of the cemetery. It represents the um, uh, the characteristic, uh, the, the, the way cemeteries uh, and gravestones were made of the era. So everything about it is historically valuable and historically valid. And from a landmarks perspective, a historic preservation perspective, from the Landmarks Commission's perspective, there, it's wrong to take it out. But that's a very limited perspective. That's only the historic preservation perspective. The city council's job is to look at things from a broader perspective. And things that might have been acceptable before Charlottesville are no longer acceptable. Things that were acceptable before we had white supremacists running our federal government and Nazis marching in the street are no longer acceptable. And all, I was my my initial reaction was not only is his is it historically important to keep it, but from a uh, from the broader perspective, I frankly did not understand how objectionable it was. And listening to the council debate the first time it was at the council several months ago, and especially listening to Alder McKinney, I listened with, with uh, as ears as, I op as open as I could. And she made the point that, you know, these men fought to preserve slavery. Frankly, you know, the, these men, as far as we can tell, were poor, white, Irish indentured servants. Um, they were not the sons of landed gentry. They were not plantation owners. They were indentured servants who were caught up in something way bigger than them. So I, you know, I don't know what they thought about slavery. I don't know what they thought about the war. Um, but they fought to preserve slavery. Somewhere in Alder McKinney's past or extended past, there are people in unmarked graves. And she made the point of, yes, we, we respect the graves, but we don't give them monuments because where are the grave markers for the people they fought to enslave? And when you, when you listen to it from that perspective, when you realize, yeah, there are tens of thousands of former slaves in unmarked graves, you realize okay, now I get it. Now I understand why this is so objectionable. We respect their graves. The dead deserve respect for their graves, but they don't get a monument in the municipal cemetery in Madison, Wisconsin. And even though this is not one of those uh, heroic monuments with a general on a horse or, you know, Robert E. Lee standing with folding arms look, looking out into the distance, it still is celebratory by its mass and it's both it is inherently celebratory above and beyond the grave markers and you get your graves respected but you don't get a monument and and that's how i differentiate the historic preservation perspective that i look at it from look at it with from the landmarks perspective the landmarks commission responsibilities and the broader citizen of madison perspective that yeah 
we respect the graves. They don't get a monument. So that, that's how I see the two sides of that. So you're kind of speaking to how this evolved out of a post-Charlottesville um, kind of world or thought process. Maybe this is naive, but it seems to me that in Madison here, we don't have some of the same issues as Charlottesville. I mean, at least I certainly hope not. Um, why is this so important to have in Madison, um, this kind of connotation of not celebrating um, people who fought for slavery? It, it, it goes beyond Charlottesville, but Charlottesville encapsulated it. Charlottesville was, was the point where we said, okay, no more stuff that we, we might have not even noticed. I mean, that marker has been there since 1906. Nobody... Nobody gave it a second thought until this, and then it was, and it was like, oh yeah, this is not right. <laughs> no, we're not going to accept this. And if if I mean I un- I understand why people why there are why there are good people who don't think this is a big deal. I get it. Um, I think I'm a good person. I didn't think it was a big deal, but now I do. I now I understand it. And. You know, it, 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 you just get this, this critical mass, and finally you have to say, no more. No, this is not acceptable. And white supremacists, you've made it an issue, and now that you've made it an issue, we have to tell you where we stand, and where we stand is we respect the graves, but you don't get a monument. I, I, I've, been, I've been trying to work through this, and, and you know, to, to, to realize, I mean, to... to, to come to the point where you change your when, when you're a public person and you change your mind on one of the highest public issues in your community you know it, it's it, it's a it's a sobering thought to realize wait a minute I thought something differently six months ago I was wrong I now get it and and you know I really urge people who are still uncertain or even in opposition is to, to, to try and listen, go back to, to the city channel and, and watch that council debate the first time it was up there. And especially listen to Alder McKinney and some of the other non-white um, alders. And, it's, and you'll, you'll listen with new ears. Um, and it was, an, it was an important moment for me to realize, you know, I got to change my mind on this. So my last question, and I definitely want to give you the opportunity if there's anything else you wanted to add, but so we're going to remove the monument. What should be done with it afterward? Well, now I see removing it is not as easy as, okay, the council has voted, it's gone. This is a national landmark cemetery. There are Native American burial mounds in there, or Native American effigy mounds at least, in there. And... There, and it's a very serious review and approval process uh, to actually do something like this. The, 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 the Parks Division is not going to be moving in uh, heavy equipment on Monday to take care of this. It's got to go through through a whole the, the State Historic Preservation Office and the federal government. So there's, there's, a, there's a, a long way to go before, before moving anything. As to what happens with it, the, the council has ordained that it only be offered to the uh, state historical museum, the Wisconsin Historical Museum, or the Veterans Museum. 
both of those would be acceptable places to store it. Some people can make the case, wait a minute, the United Daughters of the Confederacy paid for this. If we don't want it, isn't the right thing to do to offer it back to them? Um, you know, that, that's a, a legitimate position to hold uh, because, it, you know, we asked them, our forebears or, you know, previous generations asked that they pay for it, they paid for it, and now we're saying we don't want it anymore. Some people say the appropriate thing to do is to offer it back to them. Other people would say no, it goes to a museum. I think you can make a strong case really for either of those two positions. It certainly shouldn't be offered to any individual, but the organization that paid for it, uh, they should at least be notified um, and, and be uh, allowed to weigh in on it. But uh, going to a museum would, would certainly be an appropriate thing uh, way to, to handle it.